listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. Hey there, I'm Joe Struess. And I'm Adam Salarzik. And we are meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is the Past the Forecast podcast, episode 20. And we are doing it up for episode 20. Episode 15, we had a special guest, Chief Meteorologist Nicholas Ferreri. But today, it's all about the AM Newsers, the man himself, with 33 years of meteorological experience, Mr. Greg Shop. Good morning, hey. good afternoon, whatever it is. I, it can be anything. Okay, how you I'm doing? I'm awake. Not, <laughs> not too bad. What time did you wake up this morning? Two. Oh. <laughs> Oh. I used to live that life on a regular basis down in Texas. So you did that for a couple of years. You've done it for a lot of years. About what's, 15, yeah. What's the one thing that people really don't realize? I mean, you're on the air at 5 a.m., but what is one thing that people are not really seeing when you're on the air at 5? What's, what's it like in the middle of the night? For me, it's whenever the lights come on, that's whenever I wake up. Our lights come on in this building about 30 minutes before the show. For, that's whenever I trigger, like, okay, So you're time not to awake wake up. yet? I'm, like... <laughs> I, I'm awake. I'm able to forecast. I'm able to think. But it takes some practice, I guess, to huh. get to that. You can operate at, like, a lower level. And then whenever you get the lights, you get the, you get the adrenaline of live TV is on yeah. its way. And it does wake you up. I usually come in about an hour early, and then I try to get everything done. And if I'm really good at it and no problems, I'll take like a 10-minute walk before the show, a brisk walk before the show. You do that outside or inside? Well, during good weather, I do it outside. Get a little, get the blood pumping a little yep. bit? Yep. Ready to, to wake hit, you up? Yeah. Ready to hit first news on a get roll? Get like uh, seven exercise minutes on my Apple Watch, and I'm cool. And uh, before we get into what we've got on the agenda today, people know you. Everyone knows your name in town. I mean, you're, you are the Fort Wayne weather guy. So tell us about where you got your start, kind of the, how you got from I want to be a meteorologist to Wayne 15. Um, well, started, I grew up in a place called Thousand Oaks, California, which is, it was kind of considered a burb of, of L.A., um, Los Angeles, and it was a small town back then. It's not anymore. Um, decided to go to college, went to college, majored in hydrology and meteorology. Um, and then, you know, as you guys know, this science has totally changed. Um, I remember talking uh, to one professor um, about, wow, it must have been like 20 years ago, and he, he said, well, everything you learned in school, just forget it because everything is changing. All severe weather, all tornado research, it's changing. So everything in our field, it totally changes all the time. So it's not just like you can get an education and and then, you know, you're fine for the rest of your life. Um, we are in a, a changing and evolving science. And I don't know if people really realize that. I think they think, oh, well, you know, it's, um, you know, these guys, you know, they just guess the forecast. Everything's the same. Well, it's not. And everything, I mean, revolutionary. As far as like TV weather is concerned, I was like right at the end 
of the, <laughs> the magnets on the wall thing. Um, and we had gotten our first, <laughs> we got, and I started in Midland, Texas, right out of college. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. two hours up from where I got my start. Yeah, the Dust Bowl. Permian yes. Basin. Mm-hmm. And then um, we had one weather computer, and all it did, you couldn't touch it, but all it did was ingest satellite pictures all day. And so we, we went with that. And then um, my second job was in Bakersfield, California. We didn't have a weather computer. We just used, uh, quote, unquote, network graphics because it was Southern California and nothing ever happens there. And then uh, <laughs> I went to Casper, Wyoming, uh, worked there for a year. That was interesting. As, I mean, it was out in the middle of nowhere. And then I went to uh, Missoula, Montana, which was a really cool place. Still is a very cool place. And spent about two years there. And then I came here to meet my future wife's parents. I dropped off a tape at Wayne TV. And the news director, um, Bill Wagman, I think was his name at the time, I don't know what it was, something with a union or something, but he could only see me in like one little room, didn't give me a tour of the place and goes, oh, okay, thanks. And then I went over to what was then a place called WKJG, um, which doesn't exist anymore, Channel 33, which was the first uh, first TV station in town, had two radio stations along with it. And I interviewed and everything went well. And then I had to meet this guy and he's like a total legend. People that know about Fort Wayne, know his name. His name was Hilliard Gates. And he was like this sports legend. He had done NFL football and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, I got to meet this guy because nobody can get hired without meeting this guy. So I go into his office. I talk to him a little bit. And he's like, he didn't really care about what my meteorological experience was. He just wanted to know what my golf handicap was. (laughs) So (laughs) we discussed that. And then I got hired here. Um, and so I, at, and in Montana, I was working, um, you know, doing all kinds of stuff besides weather, you know, at the university and all kinds of, you know, teaching and all kinds of weird stuff. And then I, I came here and um, I um, started at WKJG, spent 15 years there. And one day they just said, um, well, guys, it's been nice. Um, we're merging with the company that owned Channel 21 at the time. So we no longer exist. So I called, um, same, same guy that's news director today, I called him on the phone on my way home after losing my job. And I said, um, I said, Ted, what are you doing? He goes, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm driving home because I don't have a job right now. And he's, he said, well, um, you know, uh, we got a morning opening here. Are you interested? And I said, yeah, I am actually. And um, I don't know. It, it just came to like a week later. I had an interview and a week after that I was hired here. So I didn't even use up my severance money from WKJG and I was here and I've been here ever since. Same shift. It was a hard shift to get used to because I used to do weeknights. So now I have to get opposite. up in the morning. Oh, I, I'm not. I, at least I wasn't. I guess I am now. But I was not a morning person. I was just like, oh, man, it was really, really hard. To get up. So that's a testament to what happens in this industry. Everything that you just described, moving around so much, you spend a couple of years in in a couple different locations, and then you end up where you end up, essentially, where you decide to put down your roots. All those locations you listed, is there there one, it could still be Fort Wayne, is there one that is 
your your favorite location, even if you only spend a year there? No, I I like Fort Wayne. I I love Fort Wayne because I mean I raised my kids here, and and I mean it's been a good town for that kind of thing. Um, but Missoula, Montana, is the ultimate best town in America. I mean it's really mountains uh, around a town. It's got a university in it. Lots of cultural life um, for a little town in the Rockies. It's about the most awesomest place you can be. It's got um, anything you need. It's got this huge glacial lake that's uh, two hours away, and then another half hour past that is Glacier National Park, which is, you know, one of the nicest, uh, really, I mean, if you're into science and glaciers, it's it's one of the most awesome places to, to ever visit. So I'd say I was there for two years. I'd say Missoula, and if I had the money, um, I'd I'd retire there. I mean, it's it's a great place. Yeah, and, it, you, you, you seem surprised by that. Uh, as somebody that was in the Midwest for a long time and then finally got to see the Rocky Mountains, there's just something about mountain ranges that captures my imagination. Hmm. I, I, I I am a massive fan, and Glacier National Park is one of the places yeah. that I – it's on my bucket list. Yeah, um, and, and I grew up – I mean, where I grew up, it was an hour to the snow in the mountains, and it was 35 minutes to the ocean. So, (laughs) I mean, that's not bad. Yeah, there's mountains and there's ocean. And so when I was in Missoula, at least I had mountains, which I didn't have in Texas. And I remember my first date with my wife and I said, I met her in Missoula and I said, I will never move to the Midwest. No mountains, no ocean. Don't don't ever say that. You can never say never. Well, here you are. Yep. Here I am. (laughs) All these years later. Yeah, I got here in 1989. So, um I worked 15 years at um, Channel uh, 33, and I've worked 15 years here now. Look so. at you. And then I've I've kind of been around, too. I mean, I worked um, – I used to do – before I worked at Wayne, I used to work um, – I worked at, like, uh, two different stations in Indianapolis. I worked in Cincinnati. I think that's it. I kind might have worked uh, at – freelance stuff? Yeah. And, and I would go, like, live there on the weekends. Um you know, I did that for like four years, so uh, that was kind of fun. Just getting to know a bigger market, bigger place, um, how they do things in in other places, it's kind of cool. So those are some pretty serious points. Yeah. But let's loosen it up a little bit. So when it comes to your job, and specifically here at Wayne, I think the viewers here listening to us, those have been viewers for a long time, they know you. They've been around for a fair amount of time here at Wayne Fifteen. What are some of your favorite moments that you've had over the years here at Wayne on air? Hmm. Anything that comes to mind? Um, it all just kind of blends together. I mean, um, we we have a lot of fun. You know, the morning is a little looser, um, and we laugh a lot. And I mean, I don't know if there's been a, a specific moment in time. I can't really think of anything. Is it perhaps a, more of a? Is there a, a weather event that you? Sure. Yeah. The weather. Remember? The weather event was two years after I got here, and we had like a snow slash ice storm, really, really serious storm, and um, I covered it. I went wall to wall. I, I did the show, and then I went wall to wall from like seven a.m. to nine o'clock, and then I would do like ten minute cut-ins from nine to noon and then um and then it was pretty much over all the all it, it, the snow and the and the ice had fallen um pretty serious storm and so yeah that was it and then um 
that was the only contest that I've ever really been in. I just submitted my my stuff to that contest and I won. The first time I'd ever submitted anything to any contest, um, you know. So I, I won for weather in Indiana that year. So that was kind of cool too. But the best thing about it was it was just the coverage. And here they'd never seen me cover severe weather. So they didn't, I mean, they'd see me at the other place, but they'd never seen me here. So um, it, it was kind of a nice, it was just kind of a nice way to get introduced to people here. It's interesting. You say you're wall to wall for a winter event. Right. We always consider, okay, severe weather, tornadoes, uh, really the tornado situation would make us go wall to wall. But the, the, the level of this winter system was that high that you had to do wall to wall coverage. Yep. Yep. I mean, it was wow. it was snowing hard, and then we had ice, and basically it shut everything down for like two weeks um, with the ice. I mean, you know, trees were falling, and we didn't have electricity. I mean, I know I didn't have electricity for at least a week uh, after that storm. Wow. So Ooh. it was one of those great Indiana ice storms. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was that kind of storm. I mean, things were, things were hopping, um, and it just, you know, it just warranted that kind of coverage. Yeah, every severe weather situation is different, and and we haven't had, uh, at least in our time here, Joe, a situation in the winter where we have to go wall-to-wall. Of course, usually there's one or two times during the summer that we have a situation where we have to do wall-to-wall for severe weather in terms of tornado. Even uh, just recently, as of a couple of weeks ago, where we had those uh, strong thunderstorms moving through with 80-mile-per-hour gusts. Right. So it, it, it's interesting to imagine the magnitude of such a storm yeah and we had we had another one and i think people can remember this one a little better um the derecho which was intense um most of that was in the afternoon but i can remember um driving i was on a radio station too and i i can remember trying to get i was going to do radio that afternoon and i just we just decided to do it live. We did it live for like four hours, and I think they won an award for that coverage. But anyway, I couldn't get – I mean, I got there eventually, but there were so many trees in the road and so much wind damage that you couldn't even get across town. It took me like an hour to get, you know, five miles just across town to, to get to the radio station. It was – it was, I mean, the, the tree damage, um, the building damage, everything, it was phenomenal. It really was. Do you have – I guess, I guess the way they phrase this question is, is why do you do this? I mean, what's your favorite thing about being a meteorologist and, and, and why, what really makes you go? Because I'm nuts, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. There you bit. go. Um, I don't know. I like, um, my favorite thing is doing severe weather. I don't get a lot of it in the mornings. Um, I like it, you know, what I'll tell kids in a school talk. I like it because every day you come in, it's different. Um, it is in a way. We still do the same things every day, but but everything is different. The setups are all different. And also just learning every day. I, I mean, I, I learn something all the time, you know, whether it's from you or Adam, you know, because you guys are, are closer to being out of school. I didn't know about this website or I didn't know about this pattern. Um, I mean, you're, you're always learning. I mean, nobody there, – there are no, like, true – um, quote unquote experts that know everything. I mean, there's one guy in Chicago that works for our company now that's, <laughs> that's pretty right. close. He's pretty close to the weather god. But other that's than right. that, I mean, I don't think, I just don't, even with years of experience, it's just, you know, it's, it's just experience. It's not really, nobody's an expert. But that's what you're talking about, how when you started all those years ago, 
it's changed. It's oh, it changes changing. all the time. And yeah. every day is a new situation. Right. Every day you have to, you can take something away from it. Yeah. Plus you get a new day at the end of the forecast. For us, it's uh, day 10. You always get a new right. thing to be paying attention to. Right. And the models, especially with how far we look out, are always changing as well. Right. Right. Um I, I don't know. I don't think people's attitudes have changed at all. As far as like our profession, I think, um, you know, we're, we're kind of like snake oil salesmen. They don't believe us most of the time. But I know the technology and the ability to forecast. I mean, I think when I got out, we were like three days. And then I think seven days was pretty darn good when we went to that. And I was the first one to do it here in town. Um, at, at my old station like 20 years ago, and we were pretty proud of it. And then, you know, the, the models just, the, the forecasting models, the computer data, and people don't even realize the data that goes through all these models. And they say, well, why do you have to have all these math? Well, I mean, just look at all this data, all the, you know, you've got to process the data, and then you have to know where the data came from and what the physics solution is, and there's always a fudge factor in that physics solution that some physicists put in. And there's always a weakness. Sometimes one model is on where another isn't. And I, I know my sister is, she majored in chemistry. She was like straight A's in college. And she just looks at me and she goes, I don't know why you would do anything like this. It's just silly. She goes, when I go into the lab, I, I like to blow things up. And I can blow things up. And I know <laughs> it's going to be the same every single time. Every time. It's rigid. This is not a rigid science. This is this is just. Um, I mean, we're learning at the same time. Uh, we're telling you. I mean, there's new, like you said, there's new stuff that comes out all the time. But there's also like stuff that happens that we can't explain yet. I mean, and sometimes you know you feel really stupid because you're like, well, I don't know what that is. But then you find out nobody else does either. So you know, it's kind of cool. What you got? I'll hit him with another one. Yeah, you, you're the one that has all the questions. I know you said <laughs> it's been kind. Of, I know you said it's been kind of a blur, but come on, you got to have at least one embarrassing story on air. Um, you know, I there was there. There's <laughs> there a couple, but there weren't. They weren't here. Um, there was one in Texas where. I was like brand new. We were still had wired mics, and I had to get over to the chroma key, and the mic cord got caught on the anchor. It was around her Ooh. leg and her neck, and they were trying to get it undone, and they were like, stretch, stretch. And I was like, I don't know what to say. And I was on this almanac graphic, and I remember saying the sunset and then sun, well, it's it ends with a T. Um, and, and I thought, Oh my God, I am so fired. I've only been in TV for two years and I'm dead meat. And I, and, and I didn't even know I said it until after the newscast and I was in Texas and I got two calls and, and this guy's like, that's the funniest thing I ever heard. And I was like, what? He's like, you said son. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, you did go back and look at it. And I did. And I was like, man so i was waiting for the general manager to come in on monday and fire me and he comes in and i look at him and he starts laughing really hard and i was like what what's so funny <laughs> that was hilarious you're hilarious that that was the funniest i was like Whoa. i thought for sure i was going to get fired for that and then there was another time and i was working in indianapolis at the number one station there that had tons of money that had a million dollar set and their set was like a half step 
So you had to start at the desk and then walk walk across the studio. I stepped off the half step like it was a real step, and I fell flat on my face. <laughs> oh, no. I wasn't on camera, but my audio was. And I took a mm. second, and the anchor came over and picked me up. And he's like, um, I mean, it was live. And he's like, you want to do weather? And I was like, yeah, I'll do weather. And I just limped over there, and I did weather. I mean, it hurt for like two weeks after that. But it was, Man. It, it was kind of funny. <laughs> It just shows the the, the misspeaking. It, it, it's a reminder that we are a uh, we are one of the few people in the building these days that are ad libbing. Right. Everything. Yeah, people don't minutes. realize that. I mean, there was somebody in the studio today applying for a job. I think a producer job, and she said, "So where's your script?" <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, well, we put head. a script in there for closed captioning, but we don't have a script. So we're we're like, yeah, it's all off the top of your head, and you know sometimes. You'll get caught up or you'll be, you know, my biggest problem is I'm thinking about something else because I have, you know, I have what I was, what I want to say down. And so I start thinking about something else. Mm -hmm. So, and then you don't realize what you said sometimes. Or the tongue gets stuck and then you form a word that you shouldn't form. Right. Well, done that. (laughs) Oh, me too. All the time. All the time. I I feel that because I work just the weekend mornings, Mm -hmm. I find that sometimes, and you might feel this on Mondays or Tuesdays. It's like your brain knows what to say in the morning, but getting it from your brain to your mouth while advancing to the next graphic, it's like it just doesn't flow all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like I know exactly what to say. I had the A-plus perfect thought in my head how I'm going to make this look cool, and then you just – it just bleh. I mean it happens. Word vomit. Word vomit. I I think I combined west and east one time, and I said something like it's coming from the east. Uh, weast. Weast. You, you said weast. Yeah. Just accidentally. Yeah. Or or yeast, you know. Yeast, yeah. I mean, it's something that you it have rises. to... It rises. You can't... It, <laughs> that, that's the thing, though. You, for over 30 years, every mistake that you've made in your job has been broadcast. Yeah. That's what's so unique about this is if I'm working a desk job somewhere and I make a mistake, okay, I made a mistake. But here, any mistake we make is... Right there for everybody that's, to see. And that's what, you know, the, the the thing about, you know, we call it a bust when you bust a forecast. Right. And then people start with social media. It's got a lot more cruel. Um, but people will say, well, you know, I wish I had a job where I was right 50 percent of the time, you know, and we're on TV and we're, you know, people know who we are. So we really can't say what we think at that time um, <laughs> or what's going through right. our head. But, Correct. Um, you know, it's like. Sometimes I feel like saying, well, I wish I could – can I come to your job and then I'll document every mistake that you make and then we'll put it online so that everybody can see it. You know, it's like that's, that's our job every single day. And not only now, I mean, we put, we put stuff online too. And that's, you know, that's written down forever. So, yeah, everything we do is very carefully scrutinized and watched. And now, like I said, with social media, it's even more so. I mean, people are – they're, you know, they feel entitlement, which, you know, that's fine. You, you can feel whatever you want, but they, they feel like they can basically say anything and, and they don't understand. This is not just about weather, but they don't understand, like, you know, we're people too. You're talking about the forecast. Right, yeah. We make mistakes I, I just mean, like anybody I mean, else. Well, I was like, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of hard. Like last week when we were talking about the storms, the wind, we were 
I mean, we were about 95% sure that we were going to have severe weather. And I put it out there, you know, and you get these comments from people. I guess you call them trolls. And they'll say, they'll say, um, well, you know, I wouldn't trust that. I don't know. And, you know, and, and I finally, this, this one person, I said, well, you know, that's fine. But the reason I'm putting this out here is because we want to keep you safe. We want to, we want to put this out there and we want you to be prepared. And if it doesn't come great, but if it does, which it did, um, you don't have the time to react to that. So we're just, we're trying to get the information out and we're trying to look, I mean, you think about it, we're looking at a crystal ball and, you know, we're trying to be a fortune teller or something. And we're talking about stuff that hasn't happened yet. And I remember one prof in college, he said, well, um, every single forecast you do is wrong because there's something wrong about every forecast you do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. From from a one degree miss to a seven or eight degree miss. Like uh, not just temperatures, but I mean, wind, precip, um, everything. No, that yeah. is interesting way to put it. I think that's the tough part is you've been a morning meteorologist in the past, Adam. Greg, you and I are essentially morning meteorologists. And you leave your shift. You say something's going to happen in the afternoon. I take a nap on Saturdays. Right. And then you wake up and you go, well, it didn't happen. Yeah. Or it did happen. Most often with snow. And I find that to be kind of like, and what you have to do, you have to be literally like a, a baseball player or a golfer or any athlete. You have to say, you know what? We missed that play, maybe an error there, but we got to get up the next day and go right back at sure. it. And that's the beauty of it is a short memory with the weather because it's always changing. Right. Well, and I mean, what you do, what you, what I've learned over the years is you just, you learn from your mistakes. I mean, you look at, I, I we used to have it all printed out on big, huge sheets, you know, as big as a desk called Difax. And we would, we would get it printed out, and then you'd look at it, and I would just save those. I would save that run, and I'd mark it all up. Here's what happened. And then when I have another situation that's similar, I'd pull it out, and I'd look at it and go, oh, okay, this happened here, this happened here, this happened here. So I actually learned something from that situation that I could apply to a new situation. Yeah, no, that makes sense for yeah. sure. You talk about the Difax machines. How have computers revolutionized your experience as a meteorologist? Oh, I mean, it's it's night and day. I mean, when I got, I think they have the same computer here, weather computer here that I did at um, WKJG. We had this, it was called a Live Line 6, and it was a dial-up. And so you had to dial in all your graphics. There was no... Um, there's no forecast models. You had to buy a separate service. So I finally, I got them to change at the station and invest some money. And we got this comp- we, we got this stuff from this company called Cavorus. And I had this room, this office, and um, the computer hard drives were probably two feet wide and a foot tall. And we had them mounted, and there were like four of them. And sometimes it would get gunky because of the humidity. And so I'd have to pull the board out, which was probably, mm, it was a good eight inches long. And I'd pull it out and erase it with an eraser because the, because the, the, uh, the copper would get gunky on, the, on, on the, um, the actual board. And so we had that. And then we would print out the models. And then we had a direct link to what was called the 74C, the radar at the, at the weather service. And then we had our weather computer, which was actually two computers. It was a paint box and it was a, 
Um, it was called CPM. It was an old technology. And you put those together. One was pretty and one wasn't so pretty. And the, the CPM one made it move and the paint box made the pretty graphics. And so you had to be like half artist, half meteorologist, and then somehow get your, you know, you went back and forth with the computers that put it all together and you made a show. So, I mean, that's what it was it was a lot more complicated than it is now and there was a lot more rendering than there is now i mean we used to have these computers these blue boxes called sgi which was like the stuff they were using for movies to make graphics like all the all the animated stuff they were using those but we'd have to render something and for your show you'd have to render it and it'd take 30 minutes to render one animation it was really it looked really really good but it was all that rendering and you know you just kind of twiddle your thumbs when stuff's rendering you can't do anything with your weather computer and you just so, had to sit there and wait yeah and now we've got computers that render everything that's just for on air and then like all the forecast models that you ever would want in the world are now available the, the government made them available to everybody you used to have to pay for a vendor to get them to you somehow and now they're available to everybody. And I know we've had this conversation before. Sometimes we wish they were not, but <laughs> because yeah, there's those 300-hour snowfall maps. Yeah, the, the 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 amateur meteorologist kind of um, sometimes they they'll look at something and they don't really know what they're looking at, and they'll take one graphic and and then it gets all over social media. So, I mean, sometimes you wish they wouldn't have done that, but it has it revolutionizes everything because I can be prepared. I mean, I can shoot. I could do it on my phone if I had to. I could be prepared for, you know, put my whole forecast together, and I don't even have to be here. I can be anywhere, and I think that's where it's going in the future. I think we're going to be, you know, we'll be able to be really anywhere doing a forecast because, you know, now you've got the green wall technology that you can put anywhere, and you know, the web cameras which you can do anything with. So, in a real quick, you talk about the future. Where do you see? your role going in the future as because from my understanding a 6 p.m newscast a half hour 6 p.m newscast generally has been a half hour 6 p.m newscast since you mm -hmm. started you think that'll always be the case no i i think what's going to happen is and i don't think the what the um the web is right now i don't think that's perfect either because streaming video sh certainly isn't perfect and 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 the graphic part isn't perfect i think it's going to be and it's already starting to be that because your TVs are smart. I think it's going to be a combination between the two. And so it will be some form of like on-demand. Um, there'll be more person, personal, like person-to-person -person forecasting. Um, more of a it, – it will. I think it's going to be more, more of an intimate media um, instead of just like broadcast. I don't know if we're going to be – you know how much we're going to be broadcasting in the future, but we'll. Well, I think there's always going to be something around for us to do. It just is not going to be the same. I mean, I don't think I ever could have guessed that. Well, first of all, Doppler radar was like science fiction when I started school. It was like, whoa, we might get this one day. <laughs> we knew about Doppler radar in the 1800s, but we couldn't make it work until the 80s. The, the uh, it was 1988 that they had the first one. So. Um, so all that, all the stuff that we, we have now in broadcasting, I mean, I remember our owner at, at WKJG saying that there would be 500 channels. And I was like, no, there's going to be, you know, everybody's got three. And, and now, I mean, there's a channel for everything. And so, you know, there's no... Game show network. Yeah, right? I don't even know, like, 
on my cable, I couldn't tell you what number our channel is. I mean, I just say CBS and it comes up on my on my cable box. So, I mean, I don't even we say Wayne 15, but it's just, you know, and 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 high definition and all that stuff. I mean, it's just a it's just like a kind of a place uh, like a website and I think it's going to be more and more like that. You know, you'll call up something and you'll get all the information you need. You'll be able to interact. Maybe it might not be like live with a meteorologist, but we'll have something there that you can interact with us. Hopefully it won't get taken over by AI. I think they're still going to have to be humans. I mean, there's there's certain things that humans can do with meteorology that computers can't. It'd be interesting to have a one-on-one. Call up Greg in the morning. Yeah. Hey, pay $20, get the official <laughs> forecast from Greg, you know? Yeah. That'd be kind of an interesting thing for the future. I don't know. I don't know how I'd like that. All right. So we learned a lot more about you today. Um, today's a special day. Why is it a special day, Adam? Well, it's the first day of July. The best month of the year. Okay. That's debatable. It's a little hot for me. <laughs> Humid, It's too, my birthday month, so. I, I figure that's why. Yeah. I, well, 4th well, of July, too. A little biased. I, mean, I like country's the 4th of July. Birthday. Yes. Yeah. But uh, what are some of your guys' favorite 4th of July memories? We don't need to get super involved. But whenever you think of 4th of July, what do you think? My, my favorite is I used to have a boat on Lake Wawasee and getting out for the fireworks on Lake Wawasee, they'd shoot them off on a barge, was like the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. Because it was like the, all the, the water shakes and everything. It's just, a, it's just a really unusual experience. It's very cool. And I remember that every year. I mean, it's like the one day you'd say, I'm glad I own this boat. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there was a park whenever I was growing up in Michigan that uh, we would go to. It was a state park, and we'd go and we'd do hikes and things like that. And basically, the park would fill up as the day went along, waiting for the fireworks to go off. And we'd sit 500, 600 yards away from where the fireworks were going in this giant open field. And by 10 o'clock, 10, 15, the, the park is filled up, and you see the fireworks start. And where the field was, it was surrounded by trees. So every time the fireworks went off, especially the big ones, you could hear the rumblings through the trees as well after the boom went off. I think that that's those, we did that five, six years in a row. That just became a family tradition to do. We'd take a grill out there, we'd barbecue, and it was uh, it's always a good time there. And now it's just floating in a lake, just like what Greg said, is the, uh, I think, starting to become the new uh, Solarzik family tradition. Nice, nice. Yeah, for me, it's always, uh, it was just grilling out back, pool day with the family, have some neighborhood fireworks going going off at night, but it changed for about four years prior to my career here at Wayne 15. My summers in college, I would sell fireworks at a local ah, fireworks shop. So pyromaniac. Uh, yeah, those those were those <laughs> were some interesting summers because you think about it, people want fireworks from Memorial Day to July 4th. Right. And that's when you work all the hours. So I would work 12 hour days in there a lot of the time and you would get all the, you know, maybe if my friend was working at Chipotle or something over the summer, over three months, three and a half months, they would make what I made in a two-month period, and then I'd have the second half of July and August to play some golf. So oh, cool. That, that, was, that was my experience. The 4th of July would get really, really interesting. I mean, you talk about just an experience of, of being in a warehouse all day, unloading trucks straight off of the, straight off of the trailer. They came over from China. They're, there's no pallets. OK, 
okay? There's no pallets in these containers. It is stuffed to the brim with a thousand whatever boxes, and you just take one at a time oh, off. Geez. That that was, but that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun doing it. Lost a little weight, right? Got in shape. So Fourth of July for me has had a different meaning depending on time of my life. This year, I get to work for Greg. And Sorry I'm working for that. Nicholas. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's all good. Love doing the weather. So, well, yeah. well, we hope everybody has a safe and happy Fourth of July. Oh, absolutely. For this upcoming uh, Friday, since it's the third, and then obviously the fourth on Saturday, just throughout the weekend, be safe. Cannot stress that enough. And enjoy family, friends, however you choose to enjoy the days. Hopefully, you enjoy a great holiday weekend. That's right. All right, Greg. We got uh-huh. one more question for you. This one's uh-huh. a curveball because we have a segment here called the Pass the Forecast Inbox. It's the Pass the Forecast Inbox. All right, inbox time. This is from Frank. And we're asking you this one, Greg, because you have a little experience Let's with be this. Frank and honest. <laughs> Sorry, how, Frank. How do you forecast fire weather? And we've had a few alerts recently that have been right. fire weather. Yeah, we have those red flag warnings and stuff like that. I mean, um, you you... Uh, like you were talking about relative humidity, um, dew points that are very low. Um, you also have to consider what the weather has been in the past, how dry it is, and you can get there's there's different ind- indices that you can look at for that. Um, the most important thing with fire weather forecasting is wind. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that um, I, I know I've done some um, some fire weather forecasting up in Montana. And also, um, I was on a. I used to do. <clears throat> I still do some. What's called forensic meteorology with an with attorneys. And uh, there was one court case where they had this fire, um, and it burned down a barn because they were having the fire when it was too windy. They just had a campfire. These people that were that were working for this guy, and it burned down his barn. So. Um, I went back and I looked at what the fire weather was for that day, and it was unsafe to burn. So um, we have to look at all those 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 situations. Once again, wind is the most is probably the most important, and the dryness of the atmosphere. And we're going to know that ahead of time. But the wind can be a factor. If there's storms, that can be a factor. Um, those those are the main kind of things that we that we factor into. Uh, when we're doing a, a fire weather forecast. And it's kind of weird because we used to do it in the West all the time. In Montana, Missoula, because there'd be prescribed burns um, in forest for the government. They they go and they, um, they burn part of the forest mm. and so that in a fire situation, it's not as you know. It's 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 safer for for a fire and and it doesn't spread as quickly. So they have prescribed burns all the time. So they're doing fire weather just about every day. Um, so I, I have experience with that kind of forecasting too. But it was weird coming here and fire weather just became became kind of a thing in the last five years with people here. They just started talking about it and people are they're like, what what is a red flag warning? What is what is this fire weather thing? And and you know, it's always been there, but but we haven't really stressed it. Yeah, we, we get those alerts down in West Texas, very yeah. similar conditions. They'd have prescribed burns and things like that. So we're always paying attention, especially in the summer, whenever you go through these dry stretches. Right. Uh, in, in certain locations, it starts to really dry out. Then you get a little bit of wind. If you just get a little bit of a flame, and things can spark up real quick and right. carry on and, and, and become bigger. Well, and you can do that, I mean, in your backyard. I've, I've 
saw my neighbor a couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago doing this one. Um, you know, you burn something and, and you start getting that fire going and the wind can take it, you know, just in a matter of seconds, the wind can take, uh, you know, and burn down a structure. So you, you really want to, you want to be careful on, on how you burn, where you burn, and especially when you burn. I mean, there, there are just, I mean, I know, you know, you want to do it that day, but if it's unsafe to burn, there are a lot of consequences that you might not even think of that, that you know, you could start a huge fire. But is it something as simple as just going out to grill some chicken, or is it more or less be more concerned about having maybe a little bonfire or a little... Little um, campfire in the backyard. More so, more so open fires. Okay. I mean, with with your with your grill, you have a contained fire, so you're not going to see. You know, you can close the grill and stop the fire. But like with an open fire, um, especially you know, like we don't have a lot of forest around here. They do like in southern Indiana. But you know, you get into a situation. Smokey Bear talks about this all the time, <laughs> where you know you 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 don't understand that if you leave that fire for a certain amount of time. I mean, it, it's going to go for hours and hours and hours until it, you know, it's combustible, until it burns what it needs to burn. And you may think it's out, and then it could skip into a tree just with little sparks with the wind, and, you know, you've got a whole fire, whole forest fire. And, I mean, here it could burn down fields, and then when it gets to structures. I mean, there's there's um, definitely a risk on, on with really dry weather. I mean, we were kind of getting to that um you know, in the last couple of weeks, but uh, with a little bit of rain that we had, we're we're going to kind of turn the corner with it. But you know, we could get there in a couple of weeks where we just had dry weather, and then you get the Fourth of July and you're putting up fireworks. And I was going to say fireworks. They could this cause time of year. fires very easily. Yep. Oh, that's a very good in-depth answer. Did you have fun, Greg? Tons. You've been waiting for this day. Oh, I, <laughs> I've been. I wrote it down on my calendar. I didn't know when it was going to happen, but. <laughs> It just happens. It just happens when you least expect <laughs> yes, it. Yes, it does. Good stuff. We got to have Greg get a number in mind. Pick yes. a number in your Greg, mind. Don't, don't tell us give a number. Don't okay. tell us yet. All right. Okay, you got your number? Yep. We'll see you next time as we try and be 15%. Percent. <laughs> right, right about the weather, the weather this, week. this week. Oh, we did that in unison we did that time. unison. <laughs> see, that's the Greg Shout power he brings into the room. See you next week, everybody. This has been Past the Forecast Podcast from Wayne 15.